I'm Vince. And I'm Travis. And we're about to ruin your games and stuff. This is Travis! Welcome to Undesign. Travis, you have inserted a quarter and joined the game. What's up, buddy? Hey, man. Uh, well, what's up is I rolled a thing about video games today. Yes, you that? did. You did. That's a that's that's a little little out of left field since we've been talking about RPGs like nonstop for three months. You did roll a video game topic today, but so we're still on brand. You rolled the best D and D video game. And oh. <laughs> So for this topic, I think we're going to restrict ourselves to actual Dungeons and Dragons video games, not role-playing games that are clearly, you know, video games that are in, clearly inspired by Dungeons and Dragons. Because like that's basically all of them. So sure, sure. Because then we'd have to expand out to Dragon Age and you know all the Oblivion, Skyrim stuff, and, and all Elder Scrolls things, and on and on and on and on. No, no, okay. we're going to stick to D and D specific video games, things that are legit. D and D, right? Dungeons and Dragons brand. Gotcha. Yes, correct. So let's talk about D and D video games, man. What are we talking about here? So like, okay, so it's 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 as simple as what's the best overall, or that's what we rolled, right? The best D and D video game. That's what we rolled. I assume we're going to tackle this as usual in a meandering fashion and from multiple sure. angles. That's what we do. Pretty much. So I mean, I, I don't I don't know what like. What's what are the what's the first D and D video game even? I know there was one on, um, like I don't know if it's the ColecoVision or the Intellivision, but there was a Dungeons and Dragons game on one of those that was kind of um, abstract. Let me yes, say. there's there's some horrible one from like 1975. That's yes, just that it was like yeah, it was one, a little, one of those things. It was terrible. Little funky. It was just like a dude wandering around in a cavern picking up things that look like bows and swords sure. and walking into monster pixels, I guess. Basically, like little squares. Um, there's there is that. Um, but like the first really good D and D video game, I know what that is for me. Okay. I don't know what it is for you. I'm ready. What is it for you? Start us off. What okay. Well the, well, the first the first Dungeons and Dragons video game that I I ever encountered that was that actually felt like Dungeons and Dragons was Baldur's Gate. Okay. Um, that was. It was like an Infinity Engine game. I think it was early 90s, mid 90s, something like that. I'm not sure exactly when. Sure. Um, but it was the first one that had, like, okay, it had it had actual storylines and branching dialogues, NPCs that talked to you and grew with you and things. Um, it it had like faithful Dungeons and Dragons rules. And it was, it had like almost above everything else, it had story. It wasn't just like uh, walking through a maze and fighting monsters. Okay. Right. Most of the games before Baldur's Gate were were literally just walking through a maze, fighting monsters. Um, A lot of times in a first person view, occasionally they had, there were games that I think like, like there was like Dungeon Master or something like that, where it was like uh, kind of turn-based tactical gameplay, but. Walking through a maze, fighting monsters, story, never an important part of it. Actual role-playing wasn't an important part of it. It was almost always just numbers, okay? Right. Um, the, way, the way video games can be, you know, it's, it's uh, you're gaming. You're, you're doing the game part of it, not the role-playing part of it. Um, but Baldur's Gate had role-playing, had choices. Um, it was like the, 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 one of the earlier examples of what we now consider like the, the gold standard for 
for like role playing games period like you were talking about Dragon Age and Mass Effect and Oblivion and all those games that have dialogues that have multiple choice options where you can play a character you can choose to be the nice guy the bad guy the cynical guy whatever yep actual choices in a game actual role playing Baldur's Gate was the one that did it for me okay now that's just the first good D&D game okay Mm -hmm. how about you what for you what was the first good D&D game first one you encountered you know that you liked yeah sure so there's a couple here uh honestly that that fit in this category and I would be really hard pressed to look back and and sort of figure out which ones i liked the best at that time i mean obviously our taste when we're that okay. young is is not great probably right You're sure but you like what you like so why not you like what you like so obviously i remember the hollow world game uh hollow or, world game was that for the genesis I, I honestly, it's the one that I cannot remember its name and couldn't find it before we did the show. I just remember you. It's the one where you wake up and the town, the, your whole town gets transported into another world. I know like what was actually going on there as you were transported. Um, well, the one on Genesis was Dungeons and Dragons, Warriors of the Eternal Sun. That's what it was. Um, That's what it was. Thank you. Yeah, that was, you're right. That was a great game and it had tactical combat, I think even. Um, and you like, like, you went in your town, you talked to people and yeah, it was good. It was, yes, you're right. Absolutely right. It was Warriors of the Eternal Sun. Thank you very much. 1992. I just couldn't remember the name of it. That was one of the first ones I ran into. It's interesting because at the time, like, that's that's Genesis, the Super Nintendo era. Not a lot of good RPG, like, like, like D&D Western-style RPGs available at the time. Like, sure. you had lots of great, like, JRPGs, so like Japanese role-playing games, like Final Fantasy-type stuff. Um, <clears throat> even tactical games. Um like Shining Force and things like that on the Genesis, but they did. We just didn't have a lot of Western style games, and that was one of them. I think the other one at the time was on um, the Turbo Graphics, which was great. Like it was like the Order of the Griffin. Uh, it was yep. a way better in, uh, implementation of the system compared to uh, the Eternal Sun. Eternal Sun was great, but the Turbo Graphics one was better. But nobody played that because no one had a Turbo Graphics. So well, they were both Westwood Studios, and they were both set in Mistara. Oh, and... see, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, and they were. Some well, Mistara the... has the hollow world in it, though. So, it does, you know, yes. Whatever, yes, right? Exactly. Yep, that's right. So that was one of them. Uh, and I liked that game, but I didn't love it. I remember uh, Eye of the Beholder. I played yeah, so the heck Eye out of the Beholder, that. That one, man. See, that's the, that's what I was talking about with the Baldur's Gate one, like, beforehand. Like, everything was like that before Baldur's Gate. Right. Like, it was all walking around in a dungeon, and it was always a maze. Yep. And, you know, you had to click on stuff to open secret doors. And I don't know. <clears throat> it, it, it felt they, those always felt so soulless to me. I understand. That was I, I played it a lot because it was it was on the Sega CD. Mm-hmm. I had a oh, Sega yeah. CD. So that was and know, that was I a was great version that. of the game. So sure. Sure. It, it looked very nice. Uh, similarly, a game that I actually we were talking about just before I just before we went live, which was. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons and the Tower of Doom, which yeah, was Tower of Doom. Tower of Doom. They, it was an arc stand-up arcade game. I recently got my uh, my arcade uh, system in my my basement working again, and I have been playing the heck out of Tower of Doom. Tower I of Doom, yeah. I love what was the it other one because so there's two, right? There's the there was like two. The, the Chosen of Mistara, Mistara, Sh- or yeah, Shadows over Mistara is the Shadows same. over Mistara, of it, which I, I know I've played and ha- is a technically a better game than Tower of Doom. But Tower of Doom in itself was great too. It's a lot of fun. 
Again, both Mistara games, ironically. Yeah. Well, that was <clears throat> Dungeons and Dragons was pushing for that to be like the the world. It didn't work out that way. Like Forgotten Realms was the world. Right. Um, <clears throat> like they kept on trying to say Mistara was the world, but it just wasn't. Um, it just, it just wasn't. Work. Yeah. yeah. Um, kind of just like Greyhawk just ended up not being the world. Right. So I the thing I like about Tower of Doom, you know, I like beat em up games in general. It's a good Love good history yeah, of arcade yeah. games. And the thing I like about this beat em up is. Obviously, when we've moved from sitting in an arcade, right? Where so it's we like had, it's like it's a you know, it's like Final Fight, uh, yeah, Turtles in Time, stuff like that. Sure, The Simpsons and yeah. uh, Captain America and the Avengers and everything else, right? Uh, the the thing about those is when you move them to a home system where you're not putting quarters in anymore. Yeah. <laughs> in general, those become easier. Yeah, they're, they're not right? challenging, right? Because it's just you just can when when you have infinite lives you can just pound your way through it. Right, right? You, hit, you hit what were paywalls back then. Like you would hit a paywall on a boss sure. that would just wreck you. Like two hits you're dead. Put in another quarter. Two hits you're dead. Put in another quarter. Uh, I ain't got no more quarters this week. You know what I mean? You're exactly. Just done. Um, but in a home game, yeah, you can just keep on pa- tapping that button. Absolutely. Now, what's fascinating though about this game, okay alternatively is one it has all sorts of branching choice points mm-hmm. so it has yeah. this tons of replayability because you fight different monsters you go to different places different things happen in the story when you make different choices which is really interesting that they actually have like choices like, in a beat up like that yeah yeah choices that actually matter <laughs> right like things really happen in later in the game because you did a and not b mm-hmm. a story unfolds yeah yes they give, and, they give you more than one railroad to follow. Correct, yes, which a lot of those games are just one single railroad, right? Yep, most of uh, them are, yeah. Most of them are. The other thing that I love about this one is when you are fighting and you live, you gain experience. Every monster you kill and all the things you do, you pick up treasure and get money. That all gives you experience. Yeah, I thought okay? that was the best part of it, honestly, in my, in my opinion. I love that. I love that yes. it's gone. But when you die and you come back in with a new quarter— your experience that you've gained resets to zero. Oof. Now, it usually doesn't matter because defeating the bosses will still give you a ton of experience. And so you'll generally level every time you beat a boss regardless. Yeah. Okay. But your high score on the leaderboard, which is pre-populated, of course, with all a bunch of fake names. And then Gygax is at the top with like 60,000 experience. Usually ass at the top, but yeah, okay. Sure, and it, when you just open up the game, it comes with like a prefab set. Yep. <clears throat> that experience you can only you can only topple Gygax by getting super deep into the game and not dying. You understand? Oh, I mean, like, okay, so there's get... an actual challenge still, as opposed to a lot of the other quarter mashers. Yes, because yeah, sure, you can just quarter pound. Like now that that's just as you know, putting in a quarter is just hitting a button. Yeah, basically. I can just pound my way through the game, but then at the end, my high score doesn't even register. I don't even show up, son. Yeah, yeah. Because I didn't actually do anything relevant that the game cares about, right? So there's still still skill involved. Like it, that stands up. That like that stands the test of time as a game. You know what I mean? Dude, it has been killing me because I have literally been. I'll walk over to it. I'll put in one credit. I'll start the game and I'll play until I die. And try every and get time, that one credit finish. Yep. Yes, and I'm just like, how much farther can I push it? How much far? Right? How deep can I go? How careful can I play? How smart can I be? And like, I have to refine my moves. It's not just you know, most time those games are just running forward and smashing everything, and who cares? This I have to be like real dodgy, real careful because you have about no life in that game, and monsters will wreck your face. 
<laughs> so it's just at any rate, we've talked a lot about Tower of Doom yeah. now. But it was a great game. That's a fantastic I really game, love man. it. It's one of my favorite D&D video games I've ever played because of that tiny, interesting nuance, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That that between the branching choices, the way it implements the classes, they're both very fun. Like every character feels very different, right? And has a role. Yeah. yeah. And and that little experience thing makes it just infinitely interesting to a me. A lot of fun. Yep. yep. I agree. It's a lot of fun. And a lot of other arcade games just don't stand up that the way that would. So it's very cool. Yes. Um, I think we kind of kind of glossed over the era, which was like the gold box games, um, like oh, the sure. SSI games. I think there were SSI games. Yeah, they were mostly. Um, <clears throat> some of them were faithful, like D&D adaptations. Some had some storylines in them. Some were kind of super garbage, um, like the 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 Curse whatever, the whatever of Kryn, something yeah. like that. Something of Kryn. I don't know. Whatever. whatever oh, the, the Champions of Kryn. Yeah. Dragonlance one was just absolute yep. garbage. Um, I'm sorry if that's your favorite game, listeners. Um, so there's a lot of that. People, a lot of people love the gold box games, and some of them, some of them were really great. There's like the Ruins of Mithra Nor. A little later on, I think that may, that might have been a silver box game. Uh, so that that was kind of cool, but still, I don't think that had a lot of story to it. Again, that's coming from before Baldur's Gate um, and this, the the whole storyline and branching topics mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think <clears throat> Neverwinter Nights was what that that came um, yeah. after the after the Infinity Engine games because there was there was like Planescape Torment and Icewind Dale that were built on the same engine Baldur's Gate were. Yes. Was, yep. Um, and Planescape is hailed as one of the greatest stories of, of all time, but it had kind of a little bit less less good gameplay. Um, but we had Never One Eyes come along, which was interesting because it came along during the period of time where D, the D twenty system started to be a thing. Yep. Um, and it was third edition, and it was pretty true to third edition, and it also allowed like allowed the people who played the game, um, which played like I don't know, like a single player Baldur's Gate kind of on its own. As opposed to Baldur's Gate having a full party of characters to play around, you were just playing yourself with maybe a companion, um, like Diablo 2 style. I don't know if you know, like Diablo 2, you had your character and then like a dude that follows you around and like shoots stuff. You could do that in Neverwinter Nights. Um, but it also gave you the option of like a Dungeon Master's toolkit, okay? Which yes. allowed you to create yes. your own modules, create your own worlds, and then you could run your own server and have a persistent world, um, which which was one of the one of the first implementations of something like that, which allowed you to have like a more Dungeons and Dragons like experience where you're inhabiting a world that was created by another player, you know, a, a, someone who's a dungeon master, I guess. And um, you could um, go through their adventures and then, you know, log off and then the next day come back and, you know, you're still a part of that world. Um, and you can, you know, switch servers and play a different character, you know, in a different world that, in a module created by someone else. It was just very, um, Dungeons and Dragons like experience. Uh, now I didn't love it. It wasn't my favorite implementation. Um, it felt too disconnected for me from real Dungeons and Dragons, uh-huh. um, and did not have the same refined storytelling that the, the Infinity Engines games had. Um, but a lot of people would 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 say that's their favorite, the best game, you know, the best Dungeons and Dragons game, and so forth, because that's what they came up with. And I I can't disagree with that. Yeah, I mean, this is sort of the Bioware era. Right. When 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 we when SSI has been <clears throat> left behind and we move into like the Bioware yeah. and Black Isle Studios. Right. Bioware and Black Isle. Yeah. Yep. Where you've got Baldur's Gate and Planescape Torment and Icewind Dale and then just sequel a thon. Right. I mean, it was Lots. sequels and expansions for four days. Sun. Pool yeah, they were trying and... to refine those two different systems, though, basically. Yep. Um, and they did eventually re- refine it really well. And you got things like you got like Baldur's Gate, too. And that was perhaps the best role-playing game of all time. Um, 
objectively. <laughs> uh, and uh, I, I might be biased a little bit. Sure. Um, but there, there's no bias in objectivity. Anyways, so uh, they, 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 they refined those two. Neverwinter Nights 2 was great as well, and it refined that, that whole, that whole yeah, series absolutely. really well. Yeah. Um, I think those, those tools shouldn't be overlooked, right? I think the, 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 the thing about Neverwinter, you're right, it was on the different engine than everything else because everything else is on the Infinity yes. engine, and it was like the first take it at this new engine. Yeah, it was, and, like, a, it was like a 3D engine with, with you know, third-person uh, view instead of the isometric view. Right, right. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was certainly more advanced. And I think what gave it the sticking power was was that the fact that you could make your own make your own stuff yeah because that's what people are still playing today like people are still playing yeah Yeah. and i think that's the element that had really been missing because dungeons and dragons isn't just playing dungeons and dragons right i disagree immediately okay i disagree that that was the thing that was missing because guess what people are still playing Baldur's gate and they're not just playing Baldur's Gate. Now they're playing Pathfinder Kingmaker. They're, they're, they're playing Pillars of Eternity, all built on the same Infinity Engine today. And those games are hailed way above, still, any of the Neverwinter Nights alikes. Okay? Fair enough, I guess. What I'm saying is, I, I'm not saying I think that makes it the best. I wasn't alleging that claim. Oh, okay. Well, well, I'm just saying there wasn't something missing. I'm saying that that is something apart. Okay, that's fair. I what I what I'm trying to put a finger on here is that to me creativity. Yes, D and D part of D and D is playing the game and playing a character and, and that and that's true. Like I I love that and that's you know most of the games for for the first twenty ish years of of D and D were basically that right. You're a character. Yeah. Here's a D and D like world. You play it. What was interesting about Neverwinter and that create that that creativity that uh, creation engine. That's what I want to say was that you could actually be a GM role, which is a pretty yes. valid thing, right? That's a big That's part, a big part of, of what Dungeons makes D&D D&D, and that had not really been there uh, in, in any of these games, mm-hmm. right? Interestingly, so, both of them also had aspects that previous games hadn't had before either, which was multiplayer aspects. Like both Baldur's Gate yeah. and Knights had yeah. multiplayer. Like you could play with other people. Yep. Which just wasn't a thing you could do in in the other games, aside from very console, specific instances. Yeah, like um, I think the Eye of the Beholder is obviously like some of the console games. You could, you know, obviously each take a player because you had four controllers coming out of your console. And and there was like, and of course Tower of Doom and and so forth. Yes, the arcades obviously mul- multiplayer, yep. and um, a little bit later and more popular perhaps were the Baldur's Gate games on consoles, like the Dark Alliance games. Yep. Which which aren't Dungeons and Dragons like in any way except for like the face like like it looks like Dungeons <laughs> and Dragons but there's sure. nothing in it that says Dungeons and Dragons rules wise like there's nothing there um, that actually looks like Dungeons and Dragons um, that that was just Gauntlet it, like it was like playing Gauntlet basically um, sure. but people loved those games so I I have to give a shout out you mentioned it in passing but I did love Planescape Torment. Uh, just because I loved Planescape so much. Yeah. And, the, and it, it is apparently one of the greatest stories of all time, too. So It is such a good story in such a god-awful controlled game. Like, I just, I really, I, I, it's funny because I... I hear I it all the time it. about these Infinity Engine games, honestly. I hear that all the time. Well, it's not just the control is bad. It's also that it's, like, super dense and unintuitive, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 
I would love to see a, a more modern, like refreshed UI UX on that where things are actually helping you know what to click and what to do. Like, and, 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 and I, look, I'm not asking for the world on a silver platter. Okay. I'm not a baby, but I'm also an adult with a lot of things going on in my life. Right. And when I was young and played Planescape Torment. Well, there is, the you know, time, Planescape Torment, the enhanced edition that's out now. Yeah, I know it came out and I'll it's admit it's still I just never the same game, but with a, but with a better UI. Yeah, I don't I don't know how much they improved it, so I'd be interested. It's probably something I should look at because I actually just reloaded up the original Planescape Torment recently, uh, and I just was like, oh, my God, now at 40 years old, I do not have it in me anymore to do this, <laughs> right? Like, okay. I, I just don't. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I don't – I'm not that person anymore. When I was 19 or whatever and played that for the first time, I had the time to sit down and bang my head against a wall long enough until I figured it out. I'm sure now, a lot of people share that, share that with you. And I'm sure, like, the the newer generation, it's going to take a very specific kind of person who's going to want to be willing to dive into something so dense when there's something as easy to get into as, like, a Dragon Age, you know, mm-hmm. where you can just jump in and be like, oh, okay, this works with an Xbox controller. I'm ready to go. Yeah. And I'll say, though, that we haven't mentioned the one D&D video game yet that I actually have spent <clears throat> the most time playing. Now, understand <clears throat> that I completed Planescape Torment. I, uh, you know, I beat Eye of the Beholder. Yeah, so we, haven't, we haven't talked about D&D Online. That's um, exactly right. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I knew we we're going to get to it. I was just kind of saving it mm-hmm. um, because I know we both played this game. Right. Yes. So Dungeons and Dragons Online this is DDO. I think it's still going. I think it's free to play now. I, that is correct. And it's set, it's set in Eberron, famously. So yet another... I, I do love these games' abilities to explore these different worlds. It was such a weird choice when they originally made it to set it in Eberron, I suppose. But it was like the new hotness at the time. Yeah. And for a while, man, they were like, this is the new Mistara. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Again. Here we go. Yep. Yeah, it's definitely Eberron. Um, yeah, so it had Warforged and stuff like that. Yes. So what did you think about Dungeons and Dragons Online? Like, what's your what's your feeling on it now, looking back? And we spent a lot of time in this A lot of game. time. Yeah. Um, you, you definitely played it more than I did, but uh, I got a really good taste of it. Um, it, for, to me, um, it had, it was a competent MMO, okay, with D&D-alike qualities that falls yeah. way short of actually being anything Dungeons and Dragons to me. Gotcha. Okay. Um, it was a competent MMO in that it had various various classes and ways to play the game, mm-hmm. um, various ways to play within those classes. Like you know, you, you could you could build certain types of characters that would perform certain ways. Sure. Um, it had strong party mechanics, like you could work together with people, and it made a difference. Okay, that's important yeah. in an MMO. Otherwise, it's not really an MMO. You're just a bunch of solo players. Um, and it had a lot of interesting segmented storylines, okay? Yep. Um, so, uh, th- which is probably the, the best, most D&D-like thing that it had, were, it had what I would call like modules, right? Yep, And sure. it was like playing through a module um, whenever you would run through this, like I said, a series of adventures or whatever. <clears throat> I didn't feel, however, any real cohesiveness throughout the game um, outside of those those specific modules, I didn't feel like I was a part of any world really. Um, I didn't feel like um, I was connected to a, a, the game the way I feel connected to actual Dungeons and Dragons or even a game like Neverwinter Nights or Baldur's Gate. Um, I, I don't know. It felt a lot like playing another MMO. Like it was a lot like playing sure. WoW, but with a, a, like with a D and D sheen over top of it. 
Yeah, I understand that. Uh, what I'll say is, I, I do think really... it was a better game than WoW, though. I, like, I'm just gonna put that out there. I think it was a better, yeah. a better MMO than WoW, certainly. I think I, I would agree with that. I enjoyed it a lot more. I'll say that much for sure. Yeah. And I, I did really love a lot of the elements of that game. Like that game was so sprawling and insane and ridiculous in the things you could do in the number of sort of, you know, different types of missions and quests and oddities and weird things going on in different takes. I did love the different roles. Like I had, uh, I played a rogue for a long time and I loved playing a rogue because you could get through dungeons stealthing and, you know, like you could, right. you could play unlike many MMOs, you could go through these things and, and I could stealth through many dungeons where I would just like mm-hmm. stealth down, pick locks, open traps, you know, like I could, what would normally be stopping to most characters, they'd hit a locked door and it's like, okay, that's it. They're done. They can't go any farther. They got to go kill stuff, find a key, find some way around. I could just be like, click, click, click. Nope, we're still going, baby. Here we go. Right. They right? gave you some, uh, like a glimmer of what Dungeons and Dragons is there. Yeah. It really felt like playing, I mean, playing the classes did really feel like you were playing the classes. Like mm-hmm. when you were a wizard, you didn't have everything a wizard in the game has. But you had a lot of it, right? You could just wreck shop. Like, you could come in and drop heat. When you were a fighter, you were a fighter. You felt like a fighter. Like, you could take hits in the face. You could chop people down to size. When you were rogue, you did all the cool rogue things. Like, let's go do rogue stuff. So you did rogue things. It was cool, right? Uh-huh. And there were just some really amazing missions, like House, Falar- House Farlani, which is like the House of Shadow and Illusion. There's an entire sort of adventure that's just based around, like, these insanely crazy illusion puzzles that are just mind boggling. Mm. Like that was amazing. Like there was some just really cool experiences in there, you know? I think and- um I I, I, I I always have a disconnect with games like that. One, because first of all, the combat, um, it was literally like if you played a fighter, you could just like click the button really fast. Okay. Sure. Like sure. that was a way to play the game. That's not Dungeons and Dragons, okay? Not, no, you, you, can't, you can't package that in any way that's going to tell my brain that that's Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. There has to be dice rolls. There has to be turns, okay? Um, and that, that, that just didn't exist in that game. And so I felt so disconnected from it that it was hard for me to look at it like a Dungeons and Dragons game as opposed to just another MMO. Sure. I get that. It goes I for a lot, a lot of RPGs nowadays, too. It's just like, you know, I know we're not going to talk about, like, Elder Scrolls, you know, Oblivion, sure. and crap like that, Skyrim. Um, but those games don't have turns, and and dice dice rolls don't feel chunky the way dice rolls should. They they're they're either behind the scenes or don't exist. So I don't know. That that's where the disconnect was for DDO for me. I get it. I I think to that being said, I still you know like just the depth of the game, the the amazingly varied number of experiences you could have, like repelling the invasion from Droam yeah. and all and, of the modules and stuff were great. I, I yeah. think there was there was just there was. Um, there was a joy behind the creators, uh, yes. right? Yeah, the, I think the, that's the right. Creators were joyful in their implementations of these things. There's a lot of fan service, and not I'm not talking about like that in a of, bad way. Yeah, in a <laughs> way. I'm talking about fan service and, and like here's here's uh, someone who, who who you look up to narrating an actual adventure for you, right? Yeah, so, someone in the gaming world that uh, you never thought you would hear like talk to you and your character, right? Yeah, and they're narrating this adventure for you, things like that. Absolutely. And I just, I, I really enjoyed, you know, some part of why I play a video game is to just experience something cool, mm-hmm. right? Like just the experience alone can be worth it. It's a bit, that, that's a bit theme parky and a bit roller coaster ridey and stuff. And I, I admit that. Sure. But it's, it's also like, you're also talking about a game that lets you do it with friends. That's even right. Better. Exactly. But it's being just like couch with a, co-op. Um, yes. 
it's just like that. There's a, it, there's a, it's a game is better with a bunch of friends. Just yes, is. yes. You're gonna sit we, down and play 007 Goldeneye now it, it, by yourself, and it sucks. You play with a bunch yep. of friends, still a great game. I agree. And and that one really let like the way we could all get together, the way we ran these big dungeons and had big parties and would just go go bust shop, right? Just we would roll in and it's like, all right, who in this dungeon needs some beatings? And you know, you just you're going through it and then you trip up and somebody dies and it all goes left. And you know, uh, I remember the the I I remember like the vampire fight where that vampire is so hardcore, that master vampire you fight in one part of uh, the city there just so many little things that I truly, truly thought were super fun. Mm. So at any rate, you're right that I don't know that I've ever played a video game. In fact, no, I, I let me say it this way. I know <laughs> I've never played a video game that honestly felt like I feel when I play D&D. Okay. Right? Uh, because, huh. because D&D... One, it would have to be all the all my all my favorite D and D things are things I've done with other people. Mm-hmm. So that's why I love like the stand up arcade game and enjoy playing that. And by the way, when I'm playing it now, I'm often having people play it with right, me because my arcade come machine play, has yeah yeah multiple controllers, right? And even has the best kind of multiplayer where it's just like press start to join. Doesn't matter where you're at in the game, just press start to join. Exactly, like you let's be go, halfway let's through roll. the game and someone shows up. Hey, buddy, press start to join. Exactly, and. Uh, so so there's something like that. Mm-hmm. I think of, um, you know, of like DDO to me, uh, a, a sort of part of D&D that's absolutely tied to it to make it feel like it, is, it has to be something I'm doing with my friends. That's number one. Number two, it has to have a really deep role playing element where I feel like I'm part of the world. And I feel like I'm playing a character. And so that I completely get your pushback because I don't know that I ever really felt like that in DDO. I felt like I was playing a video game character, but that's not playing a character. Well, I suppose there is a difference because there is a thing in MMO MMO like culture where people go to servers to role play. Sure. Um and that if that was a thing in DDO, which I am sure it is, like there must be got to like, be a role playing server on DDO or whatever. Yep. That's got to be a thing. I imagine that could perhaps give give one the, the illusion of actually playing Dungeons and Dragons or something like that because you're actually role playing, right? Right. You're not you're not just you're not just playing pixels. You're playing a character that happens to be represented by pixels. Right. And I just don't think that's ever – I've never been able to cross that that barrier, and that might just be me. It you is. I, I, I'm sure of it. I'm not there either. And, I, like, for me, I need to be at a table with a bunch of people to do it, um, to, to really get into it. So it, it's probably us. We're just bad. <laughs> But that's all right. So, so we're gonna pick our favorite here at the end because we we've been. I mean, we could probably go for another two hours on this one. But I want to give an honorable mention to Knights of the Chalice. Everybody should play Knights of the Chalice. It's great. Oh, was that um, a good one? It is a like a one man game. One guy okay. wrote it and coded it and did all the art for it and stuff. Nice. Looks like something off of like the Sega Genesis, honestly, uh, and not in the good way. You know, not in the good way. Like new new pixel art games look amazing nowadays. This is not one of those. <laughs> it looks it looks kind of like an old 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 game even though it was made in, like, 2012 or something. Um, it is it is the best representation of Dungeons & Dragons turn-based tactical combat I've ever played. Okay? Wow. So it's, like, a pure Dungeons & Dragons 3.5. Um, okay. Everything is exactly as it is. Attacks of opportunity. You run. You, you walk a character past a five-foot square of them or whatever, and you take attack of opportunity. Everything's there. Um, and it's just uh, pure tactical bliss. So if you're a, a D&D gamer who likes playing 
tactical, like the tactical portion of Dungeons and Dragons, um, which is a thing. Um, that's the game for you. Um, the best game, however, is Baldur's Gate 2. That's the best game that's ever been made for Dungeons and Dragons. Period. Okay, that's your that's your pick. You're going you're going hardcore on. I mean, it's Baldur's Gate 2. Baldur's it Gate. has it has the best story. Has the most faithful implementation of the second edition Dungeons and Dragons rules, which mm-hmm. is one of the best editions of the game of all time. Yeah. Um, it has party-based play. It has memorable NPCs. It has branching branching paths, branching dialogues. Um, it uh, has all the different characters and classes and kits that you know and love. It's got all of it there. A great story, and uh, it's deep, long adventure. Uh, it's great. Okay. It's got All multiplayer. Right. You can play with your friends. It's just a great game. Nice. Nice. That's uh, my have, choice. What's yours? Did you play the Enhanced Edition? Because that came out. I have played all the Enhanced Edition. I've, I've played that game so many times, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't even. Like, It's hard to count how many times I've played the Baldur's Gate series. Yeah. All right. Excellent. I'm going to pick DDO. Just because I, I, can't, I don't know what else I would pick on. I knew it. Amount of amount of fun over time, right? And mm-hmm. that simply mm-hmm. wins. Like it's just on that mathematical equation, it wins. Now, if I was gonna say best, like if we just like if I was gonna say best story, it'd be torment. There you go. That's fair. I here's here's what I what I would say. I think both Baldur's Gate two and DDO are valid choices because they're still playable today. You can still pick up and play either of those games, and sure. they're still a great experience. So if you're a fan of D&D and you're a fan of video games and maybe you haven't played a lot of the video games, uh, maybe look up some of the games we've suggested, hey? So uh, uh, best D&D video game of all time ever, period, objectively, undesigned. Undesigned. All right. Well, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. We very much appreciate it. We'd appreciate it if you went over to iTunes and you gave us a little rating, little review. That always helps. That's super cool. Uh, if you're interested in finding more stuff, you can find me on YouTube under Vincent Venturella. Uh, I do a lot of Warhammer-related stuff there. Uh, there's an email down below if you've got questions for us. But as always, thank you very much for listening. Thanks, we'll everybody. See you next time. Bye. Mm-hmm.